Let's just take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, will you be our inspirer? Will you be our revealer? Will you be the one who helps us understand the depths of your love and how it is lived out in our lives? I pray that your Holy Spirit does all the talking today. In Jesus' name, amen. Did Jesus really say that? And we're going to hit do not judge part eight. So um, a Henry Nouwen devotional popped up that happens to fit. So it's called the burden of judgment. Imagine having no need to at all to judge anybody. Imagine having no desire to decide whether someone is a good or bad person. Imagine being completely free from the feeling that you have to make up your mind about the morality of someone's behavior. Imagine that you could say, I'm judging no one. Imagine. Wouldn't that be true inner freedom? But we can only let go of that heavy burden of judging others when we don't mind carrying the light burden of being judged. Say that again. But we can only let go of the heavy burden of judging others when we don't mind carrying the light burden of being judged. Can we free ourselves from the need to judge others? Yes. By claiming for ourselves the truth that we are the beloved daughters and sons of God. As long as we continue to live as if we are what we do, what we have, and what other people think about us, we will remain filled with judgments, opinions, evaluations, and condemnations. We will remain addicted to the need to put people and things in their right place. To the degree that we embrace the truth that our identity is not rooted in our success, power, or popularity, we can let go of our need to judge. Do not judge, and you'll not be judged because the judgments you give are always judgments you will get, Matthew 7, 1. And of course, I got hit with a whole bunch of really, really good pause and ponders this week. Um, and they did. They, I had too many, <laughs> so I, I can't share them all. It's just sometimes there's a lot and sometimes there's a little, but there's, this is random, but each one caught me in a different way. A note to anyone who needs to hear it. We don't get over or move on from our trauma. We're forced to make space for it. We carry it. We learn to live with it. And sometimes we thrive in spite of it. I thought that was pretty cool because certain instances in our walk can kind of trigger some past pain. Somebody says something, does something, it looks like it, or even a smell can trigger it. And we're reminded of the deep darkness or deep pain that hit us at one point. And people have told us, God, get over it. It's the wrong word. We don't get over this. We don't get over grief. We carry it with us. And it becomes, we become a new person with the stuff that we've been exposed to and have been involved in. I thought this was just a good reminder. The eschatological hope, can you say that backwards? Okay, good. 
for the restoration of all things. And by the way, this is eschatological as referring to end times or the things still to come, so to speak. That's, that's all it means. So when somebody talks about your eschatology, what's your perspective on end times and all that? So that's what that's talking about. So the hope for restoration of all things in Acts 3.21 is found in the confession that all things have been created through and for Christ, Colossians 1, and that Christ now fills all things. The higher our Christology, the greater our hope for, I can't even say it right now, that one. So the whole point here, (laughs) you're laughing at me, I know. Pardon? Apocatastasis, almost like a fruit. (laughs) Sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> but the point here is, it's not about your end times perspective. It's how do you see Christ? Christ is the center to all this. We can talk about hell. We can talk about the doctrine of justification. We can talk about all those categories. And they're all up for discussion, but who is Jesus? That really... It simplifies it. It kills a lot of arguments because now we raise Jesus instead of the topics and create more division. Somebody else sent this to me. I think it was Jennifer. We've, we've deeply misunderstood Jesus in the Gospels if we believe God loves us and our people more than them and their people. I've seen memes like this. And uh, yeah, That made me pause and ponder, especially with the culture of our world right now, both political and with the the battles and wars going on. And this is from Dan. He sent this to me. "To to, To love my brothers and sisters does not mean we have to agree. But maybe agreeing to love is the greatest agreement and the only one that ultimately matters because it makes a future possible. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's Vancouver. I love this. I'm not afraid of hell. And I don't think about paradise. I just ask God to be merciful to the entire world and to myself. Well, that kind of steals the arguments, doesn't it? I like that. Listen, forgiveness can be weaponized. And has been, but it's not a weapon. Jesus speaks about forgiveness as being freed from something, not being forced to do something. Hmm. Jesus speaks about forgiveness as being freed from something, not being forced to do something. This word means to forgive, to loose, to release, to let go. When you release others, your Heavenly Father releases you. We've been hearing that language a lot lately especially when you have different translations, uh, especially when there's an Aramaic background. But I thought that was cool. I like that. I love this one too from Henry Nouwen. Jesus says, let go of your complaints. Oh, sorry, keep going. Let go of your complaints. Forgive those who loved you poorly. Step over your feelings of being rejected and have the courage to trust that you won't fall into an abyss of nothingness, but into the safe embrace of a God whose love will heal all your wounds. Again, this is back to perspective. 
When you're gentle with yourself, you'll be gentle with others. When you're non-judgmental with yourself, you'll be non-judgmental with others. When you give yourself the benefit of the doubt, you'll be able to do the same for the people around you too. You begin with yourself. Not because you're self-centered, but because you understand that's the only way it really works. And this, honestly, is a summary of the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to be honest. That's the shortest condensed version of it. I like this one too. This one's really deep. Could it be that in imagining a God who has enjoyed and created billions of years of life on earth, that we can begin to see his profound patience with us now? I'm convinced that deeply considering God's ancient past can illuminate our view of God's present love for us. I had not had that perspective for a long time. To think of God in the past, God who's created and been around forever, to stop in this little thing called time and love you. That's, that's big. And it kind of helps us take our eyes off of our problems and realize, wow, there's a profound connection here. Jesus didn't call us to love our beliefs as ourselves. (laughs) Jesus called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. If our beliefs prevent us from loving others well, that's when we know our beliefs need to change. Love that. So let's dig in. Matthew chapter 7, do not judge. Mind you, let me show one more slide on the Lord's Prayer. Another translation that came up, I think Brad Jerzak posted this, and because we just finished talking about it in Matthew 6, I want to share one more. I'm finding a whole bunch of versions of it, and it's beautiful. Eternal Spirit, our Father, earth maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven. May the hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your dream of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, Strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. This English translation of the Lord's Prayer, originally by J. Cotter, prepared by the English Language Liturgical Consultation in 1988 found in a New Zealand prayer book in 1989. And I'm only hearing about this now. I'm only learning about, I'll call it a more beautiful perspective on the Lord's Prayer. Some people like their traditional, and that's great. I'm not challenging that. I'm saying there's more. And I thought that was really good. So do not judge. Have you heard it said... Jesus says, do not judge. How many have heard that? 
What if it's not true? We've been saying it. It's one, one of the most popular misquoted texts. What do you mean? I know it says that. Really? Right there. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like me saying, hey, I love your... If I tell you that, it's weird, right? What do you mean? You love my what? Do not judge. Continues. There's, there's something added on to this. The, the thought behind do not judge is what we're after here. It's not to be used as a control club on people or a way to shut down arguments. It, it really is. It's, this is about humility. I'll just sneak it out to you now. You get the whole sermon done in two sentences. This is about humility. Your humility and mine. I'm going to read it from a couple translations because it's just so good. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. That's one lens, okay? This is like a proverb. Hey, if you're going to judge, it's, gonna, it's like karma. It's coming back on you. You're going to be judged the same way. Now, I kind of got a wake-up call of this recently, and again, it's part of my driving habits. It's awful. Because we judge people. And I did it yesterday again, I just realized. <laughs> when I yelled, idiot, what an idiot! <laughs> but it was terrible driving, you know? But to me, it was a, um, a moment where, yes, I judged. I judged a behavior, but I spoke to the identity of a person. I went, oh, that's, that's where it is. And then... Who are the most wonderful people to help you see your faults? Use your spouse, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she did it nicely. It was very gentle. But uh, it was kind of a wake-up call. And yeah, there it is again. And then I was being judged for judging. But anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Or what goes around comes around. Can you believe Jesus would say something like that? By the way, this is a very popular Jewish thought and Jewish writing in their Hebrew and all their scripts. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but not notice the log in your own Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. Actor, remember, actor. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do you see the humility behind this now? It's kind of funny, and I'm going to pick on pastors because I am one. Um... But sometimes you hear a hobby horse topic being taught against a certain behavior by the clergy, only to then find out that's the very thing they struggle with and are caught in. The same judgments. I'm not an idiot driver. (laughs) Sometimes. 
But the whole idea of taking the log out of your own, it requires some introspection, some humility, some slowing down, because we like to rush into judgments. And I'm also learning again that when your life is crazy busy and your mind is full and your bandwidth is maxed, something happens and you're quick and short and judge quickly because it's just easier and faster, just a judge, and you get snappy and the people around you sense an unloving response. And really, the source of all that is not resting, not being still, not being humble. I'm sure we can all relate to that. Here's another translation. Oh, this, this is a commentary from a, a, a commentary. I took a picture of it. So judge not that you not be judged. The word judge, or Greek, krino, can mean evaluate, don't analyze. If you, it, can, it also refers to a private judgmental attitudes that tear down others in order to build up oneself. The command judge not does not refer to judging in a court of law, nor is it a blanket statement against critical thinking. All right, that's important. Otherwise, we're just brushing one stroke over everybody's judgments, because we do do certain judgments. This is referring to the judgments of a person, their identity. Later on, I think it's in Corinthians, we're told not to judge after the flesh, not to judge a person based on their external behaviors. There's more going on. Matthew 7 in the message, I love this. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face. <laughs> I love that. And you might fit, be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. <laughs> I can hear parents saying this to their kid. <laughs> um, I've heard it. Do you get it? Do you, do you see the shift in the meaning? This is not a clinical Rules list that Jesus is giving. He's teaching them about what abiding looks like. Here's how to live. And he's going for the core attitude. I love this from the First Nations translation. It's beautiful. If you do not want to be judged, then do not judge others. Hmm. It flipped it. Most translations begin with do not judge others. But it flips it. Because now we have to be honest. Do we like being judged? No. I hate being misunderstood, which means I feel I've been judged incorrectly. So we do want to be judged. We just want to be judged well. Correct? We don't want to be judged incorrectly. 
We don't want our motives judged when they get it wrong because they don't really know our motives per se. I love this because it really makes the issue really clear. If you do not want to be judged, then do not judge others. I know I've bumped into people over the years with different histories, some similar to mine, others with histories I have no clue about. And upon hearing their story, which requires to stop and listen, and it's usually not in one sitting, you find out, oh my goodness, that explains so much. And we have a new compassion, a new love. Even for somebody living a lifestyle we disagree with, hearing their story and actually believing it, because I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we're prone to judge, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we throw that up. Maybe I'm the only one in the room that does that, but oh my goodness. For the way you judge others will come back to you full circle. It's true. Think of it this way. How can you see the speck of wood in the eye of another when you cannot see the log in your own eye? It's like my mother would walk into my room and she'd give me tough discipline when my room wasn't quite clean enough. And she would rub my nose into a corner that wasn't quite vacuumed properly. It was a carpet, so I left a little mark. Like, those were tough times. And yet, her areas that she was responsible for were disasters. You know what I mean? Hmm. I now have new, I have new compassion for her. I've, I've come around full circle, but I never forgot that. Think of it this way. How can you, yeah, we did that. How can you say, here, let me help you, when you cannot see that you need even more help? By the way, sometimes that judging of others you don't want to deal with the log in your own eye. So it's easier to see somebody else's speck and be distracted from your own stuff. Hmm. And only you and only the Holy Spirit can point those things out. Stop pretending to be something you are not. Or in another translation, you hypocrites. See the pretending part, acting? Okay, I hope you're seeing it now. Stop pretending to be something you are not. If you will be honest about yourself, you will then see clearly enough to help others. <laughs> Passion translation. Beautiful, beautiful phrasing of this. Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others, and judgment will not be passed on you. Wow. Wow. That's a fresh lens. Again, can you see the translations? Each one has a different way of saying it and spinning it. One, or, one may connect with you, the others are, yeah, doesn't, doesn't connect with me. That's fine. I love this. Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others. That's another way that if you don't think you're that much of a judger, then perhaps your bias, maybe if you can own that, then you realize, oh, that's actually judging. And judgment will not be passed on you. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life 
and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, (laughs) when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and the hypocrite. First acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. I heard Brad Jerzak talk about this two weeks ago. He had a mentor speak to him when he felt he wanted to call somebody out on a behavior that was unwise. And his mentor said, if I can remember this correctly, um, go and pray about this and fast. Fast and pray until you don't feel the need to judge or call them out. Pray for them until the need to confront them is gone. Holy smokes, that's amazing advice. The church should sure use that kind of advice right now, everywhere. (laughs) Because I've been taught we're in as a church, and we have to judge the world and call them out of their behaviors. Nowhere does it say that, though. It just doesn't. And then Brad said, and then when I felt the Holy Spirit call me to confront this person, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> it's, the different, it's a different attitude. It's our attitude behind the scene, behind all of the stuff in our thinking. That's what Jesus is dealing with in almost this whole chapter 7. He already started talking about in chapter 6 how we're to live the mindset we need to have, the tone we need to have. And I, for one, do not do it perfectly at all. I have much more learning to do, and it really stinks because I've been pastoring for so long, and for the first number of years, you can't admit you do anything wrong because you're supposed to be an example. Well, (laughs) don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Far better example. We're going to end with this. Don't misjudge judgment. This is another spin on judgment that I think we need to be exposed to, and I hope it hits your heart like it did mine. Because sometimes we think, well, wait a minute, God's going to judge us. That's what comes out of this often. Because the crowd he's talking to, they think God is judging them. So now he's telling them, don't judge. And let's hear this thought. It's not long, but it's good. Jesus did not not come here to judge humanity. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. I judge no man, John 8, 15. Wait a minute, I'm sure he judges somewhere. No, keep going. The Father judges no, who? The Father judges no man, but has committed all judgments unto the Son. And Jesus just got finished saying, I judge no man, but yet the Father judges no one. Who knows the Father the best? Jesus. 
Jesus reveals the Father. Then it goes on. So according to the above, the Father isn't judging anybody, but has instead given all judgment to the Son, who now declares repeatedly that he didn't and doesn't judge us. Oh, what about the great judgment day? Jesus did come here to judge the works of Satan. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, John 12, 31. That's when the judgment was happening. The ruler of this world is judged, not people. Nowhere does it say people. This is contrary to what I believed and I thought I heard. I thought I heard. For this purpose, the Son of God, by the way, when I believed that God judged that badly, guess what I did? I told other people, God's going to judge you. God's going to get you. In fact, my own mom, in one of our arguments, um, we had it out pretty strong, and uh, she says, God's going to get you for this. You know, that she literally said that to me. Well, the worst one was right after that. She says, oh, son of Satan. She called me son of Satan. I thought, what does that make you? Anyway, it, that was my humor in, in that thought. <laughs> but that was a confrontation time that I had to do with lots of contemplating. I talked to my dad first. It was, it was a very big moment in my journey of healing with my mom. But I didn't know it was until years after she died. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, not people. Conclusion. The only judgment Jesus exercises here is against Satan. His accusatory attributes his oppressions, his subtle attacks, and his dark ways of deception and condemnation. Since Satan's major activity revolves around condemning and judging us to death, Revelations 12.10, what Jesus really judged out of existence was satanic judgment itself. Wow. We need to remember that Satan, whether you consider him a dark angel or dark dynamic, is the one we need to enforce God's judgment upon, not man. Remove satanic darkness and influence, then all men will eventually come to the light. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, unless the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That's King James, I think. Don't misjudge judgment. Jesus came to save the world, not judge it. Not condemn it. And yet, for most of my life, I was taught to condemn the world. I was their judge determining they were going to hell and I was going to heaven because I was in the right tribe. And I said the right words. And they didn't have the right words. 
or they behaved differently than me. They may have said they had the right words, but man, how come they're sitting out front having a drink on the church steps? Well, they're judging, well, they're doing that, having their smoke. Like, honestly, that, that judgment happens in denominations like you wouldn't believe. How you dress, what you have. Judgment is an addiction in our culture. Jesus doesn't judge us. Let's start to believe Jesus doesn't judge us. And guess what's going to happen? We're going to believe it, that we're not judged. We're going to believe we're loved. And guess what we're going to do to others? We're going to see less and less judgment happen. And we're going to start loving better and better. It doesn't happen by starting some big ministry. It happens right at home with you and your house, your neighbors, wherever you work. It's not about a show. This is personal now. And this is how we change the world. One light at a time. Each of us are light. The light of Christ. He didn't say go put on a bonfire. He says be light. Although bonfires are great to hang around because it's fun. You do hot dogs and chili dogs and all that, right? I had to throw chili in. My wife made fun of me last week. How many times did you say chili in your sermon? <laughs> it's funny. She's not here, so I can get away with this. I don't get the glare until I get home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the judgment you have on us is you judge us as righteous. You have judged us as clean. You have judged us as holy. You have judged us as forgiven. Not a single one of those judgments on us that comes from you is condemnation or rebuke. It's love. And love is far more powerful than rebuke and condemnation. May we learn the difference. May our own tone of condemnation be healed. Heal me in my judgments. Heal us in all of our judgments. May we be the light. May we be love to all we meet. And thank you that you are the one leading us down this path. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.